0: Have you ever heard anybody say, speaking of somebody else, they are not living for God? Or have you ever heard anybody say, I want to live for God? Whatever's happened, I want to live for God. Well, here's a question. What does that mean? Is God the creator of all things, the ruler over all things, God Almighty, actually concerned with how you live? And if he is, how concerned is God with how you live? And that's a pretty pretty great question. Does God actually care how you, the individual, how you live? And if he is, how concerned is God with how you live? There's a book that came out a while back. The book was called, I didn't read it, so I don't encourage you to. um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. That was the name of the book. I remember the title, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. In matters of our daily living, does our God sweat the small stuff? Does he concern himself with the small things of life? Well, here is the awesome truth tonight. Our God is the God of the big, and he is the God of the huge. He's the God of the enormous, but our God also has revealed himself to us. He is the God of the small, even the unseen, the intricate, And that is our God. And so I want to tell you the truth tonight. The truth is, if he loves you as an individual, if he loves you enough to send his only begotten son to die that you might be saved, then you can be sure tonight he not only cares how you live, he gives you the details, even the small ones, of how to live our best life. And that's the truth. God cares about us. God cares about you. He loves you. And if He sent His only begotten Son, something so grand, something so huge, how does He not also give us the smallest details of how to live in His will? Tonight, we're going to continue taking in God's wisdom in how best to live. We're 20-something chapters, 20 chapters in now. That's what this has been a practice in. God has been giving us his wisdom and how best to live. Now, we have learned if we are wise, if we are prudent, we'll not only hear it, but we will take heed of it, and we will put it into practice. As we do, God will bless it. God will put it to use as we take in his wisdom. Tonight we move to chapter 20. We're closing in on the two-third mark of our study in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20. We're gonna to begin tonight with verse one. Proverbs chapter 20, verse one. God's word says this, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Now, let me just tell you, this is an interesting subject. This is an, an emotional subject for some folks. This is sometimes a debated subject, but I want to tell you, most of all tonight, it is an important subject. And you say, well, how important is it? Well, it's so important. God himself addresses it in his word. Is he concerned about it? Well, he addresses it in his word. So understand it is an important subject. Now let's look at the verse tonight. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. Now we'll, we'll break that up and we'll go line by line. It starts off wine is a mocker. Wine is a mocker. In the Hebrew, in the original language, the word for mocker is a word that means to scoff. Now listen to this. It literally means to make mouths at, to make a mouth at somebody. Here, here's the most literal definition I can find. A right, route to Vernon English. It means to run your mouth. It most literally translates in Hebrew. Route to Vernon English to run your mouth, to run your mouth. And so wine is, and so wine equals the running of the mouth. That's what Hebrew says. Wine equals the running of the mouth. Let me ask you a question. How many verses in Proverbs are about wisely choosing our words, about being careful about the words that we speak? How many verses have we cross in these 20 chapters about not loosely running our mouths? Wine is the running of the mouth. Strong drink is a brawler. The word brawler in Hebrew, the original language, is the word Hama. Hama. It means to roar, to growl like a dog, to be boisterous, to make an uproar. That's literally what it translates. Strong drink equals is an uproar. The Bible says, in whoever, meaning any person is intoxicated by it, by the wine or the strong drink, and or both, is not wise. That's what the Bible says, is not wise. Now, here's here's the interesting part of the whole thing. The word intoxicated, in the original language, it is a Hebrew word, of course, that means deceived, to not see correctly, or led astray. Probably the best definition, led astray. Alcoholic drinks, the verse is saying, whoever is led astray by them is not wise, does not have, does not possess, is not using godly wisdom. Whoever is led astray by alcoholic drinks, they are not a wise person. Now, here's the question at what point is a person led astray by and that's that's the question at what point is a question is a person led astray by that's a that's a great question can we say a person is led astray after one drink after two drinks after three drinks maybe just maybe just the first drink when can we say a person is led astray well here's the answer this is the big deal i've got the answer when is a person led astray by an alcoholic drink here's the answer we are not sure (laughs) we do not know and i'll just tell you this i am leery of any person that says they do know and i know a lot of folks say well it's this many it's this number maybe it's different for your size or your weight but here's the number I'm leery of any person that says they know, but I'm going to tell you what I do know. Here's what I do know. I know if I need godly wisdom, and I do, and if I make a mess of things in my life apart from godly wisdom, and I do, and if I know and I do know it, that God is honored when I operate in godly wisdom, and there is a line and on that side of the line is foolishness. On that side of the line is a lack of wisdom. And there is this line. That there's the line. Here's what I know. I'm going to stay away from that line. I'm going to stay away from that line. Let me tell you something. I know me and I'm not getting close to that line. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Here is the weird part about being a Baptist preacher. There's several weird parts about being a Baptist preacher, but here's a weird part about being a Baptist preacher. People get mad, and and they get mad, and they just get mad. Uh, Just the fact that you're a Baptist preacher, they get mad, and they say, you can't tell me not to drink. You can't tell me not to drink. Jesus made wine. Jesus drank wine. You can't tell me not to drink. Let me tell you something. I'm not telling you not to drink. I'm telling you I'm not getting close to the line. And let me tell you the flip side of that. The flip side of that is there are folks, and there's just as many of them, and they come along, and they get just as mad, and they say, well, you can't be soft on drinking. You're a Baptist preacher. You can't be soft. You can't be weak. You can't wink at drinking. Friend, listen to me. I'm not winking at drinking. I'm not soft on it. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm not getting close to the line. I'm not getting close to the line. If there is a line on that side of its foolishness and and, and walking outside of the will of God, I'm not getting close to the line. You make up your mind from there. Some of y'all are mad right now. (laughs) Verse two. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. He who provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. He who provokes him to anger forfeits his own life. Now, verses two and three really go together. And these two verses are talking about a person's attitude or a person's disposition. Verse two starts off and it says, the ruler, the king today, the government can be fierce. We know that. The the government, the king, the ruler, they can be like a growling, angry lion. And he who provokes them to anger, the verse says, forfeits his own life. Now, here's what what verse 2 is saying. It is saying, be patient, be wise, be careful, be smart in how you deal with the government, deal with the ruler, and do not provoke them to anger. Now, that seems to just make sense. Uh, In the New Testament, it says to get along, to pay your taxes, to follow the laws, to pray for the leadership so that you may live at peace. Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Do the things that you may not provoke the government, the king, the ruler. Now, listen, there are times to have a voice, yes. And for sure, we're not to allow the government to lead us into sin, for sure, but here's the point of the verse. But to stir up trouble unnecessarily is unwise. Let me give you a couple examples of that. If I were to cut out of here tonight and decide, you know what, I've driven slow long enough. I've driven. I'm going to start driving 100 everywhere I go. In fact, I'm going to drive 120 on 287 going to Wichita Falls. McBride's is down there. I'm going to drive faster. And you know what? I'm free in Christ. And if you're free, you're free indeed. And when I get pulled over, I'm going to tell them, I'm free in Christ, free indeed. I'm going to drive 120 miles an hour everywhere I go. And you know what? On top of that, I'm tired of paying taxes. I'm tired of it this year. So you know what else I'm going to do? I'm free in Christ. I'm not paying any of my taxes. And I would stir up trouble and I would cause trouble for myself and that is not wise. That's what the verse is saying. Yes, we don't let the government lead us into sin. Yes, we're to be a voice in the government. But we do not provoke them unnecessarily when we can have peace. All right, verse three. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. It's again a a tag on to verse 2. The attitude, the disposition of verse 2 now moves into all of our relationships. And so we're not to be provoking the government. Well, now that disposition, that attitude moves into all of our relationships. Here's what the verse says. To stay out of strife speaks highly of a person. Now think about that. It, it is a commendation to a person to stay out of trouble, to stay out of strife, to not be found always in a fight. To stay out of strife speaks highly of a person. It is hard not to get pulled in. You ever notice that? It's hard not to get pulled in. And I think sometimes the world sets trash for us wanting to pull us in. And it's hard not to let your anger boil over. And it's a commendation for a person to be found not at strife. I have a rule, and it's my rule, and I learned it, and and I, I hope my kids learn it from me. I have a rule about driving in traffic, and by driving in traffic, I mean in Dallas. Here's my rule. Listen to my rule. My rule of driving in Dallas is this do not scowl at people, do not mean mug people, do not throw your hands up in despair, in exasperation at people, and for sure do not honk at people unless you're ready to get out, pull over, and get out on the sidewalk and go to the ground. Unless you're ready to do that, unless you're ready to pull out your gun then pull out their gun and have a shootout right there, if that's not what you're ready to do, don't throw up your hands. Here's what you do. Look straight ahead. Ever watch that cartoon, Mr. Magoo? You know what he did? He's driving over people looking straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Smile. Just smile. Unless you're ready to get out and go down. Just smile at people. Wave at people. Hey, they look mad. Just wave at people. Sing with the Gaithers on the radio. Just do that. Here's what the verse says, any fool will quarrel. We live in a crazy culture, and it's being pumped into us, but we live in a crazy culture where to be the victor to win, we have to act in rage and we have to back somebody down. We have to look at somebody, swerve at somebody, do this to somebody, and we have to make them back up off of us, and then we got our kids in the car, We want to see there, Daddy won. Daddy beat these people. We live in a culture where to exhibit rage and back somebody down is to win. That's what tough is. That's what what a win is. Let me tell you something. That used to be just men. That's women now too. Here's the truth. Any fool can argue. Any fool can fight. It is an honor to stay away from it. Let me add one more thing and we'll move on. Mix this verse with the alcohol of verse 1 and see what happens. Let somebody run their mouth and meet this guy and see what happens. Any fool can fight. Any fool can quarrel. It is an honor a commendation of a person to stay away from it. All right, verse 4. <laughs> We're back to this. The sluggard <laughs> does not plow after the autumn. So he begs during the harvest and has nothing. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Now, verse four, we're back at the sluggard. I said this last week. I think it's crazy that God in his wisdom, it's his wisdom, God in his word, likens some people to a slow, blobby, mushy, slimy slug. And I didn't call you all that. God did that if this this matches you. God in his word actually says a sluggard, a person that's like a slug. Now, to define a sluggard, God defines it for us. God gives us a plain example. Here's what he says. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn. Now, I want you to see the picture. Watch this. Crops are planted in the spring. They are grown in the summer. They are harvested in the fall, that's the normal pattern, that's what they would expect. They're planted in the spring, grown in the summer, harvested in the fall. After the fall, after the harvest, the sluggard is done. They're done, the harvest is done, they kick back, the harvest is done, they got all the fruits of the harvest, and they're done, they quit, harvest is done. Yet here's the deal, No matter how good the harvest is, the harvest will always run out. That's the deal. Doesn't matter how good the harvest is, the harvest will always run out. And without another harvest, a shortage is coming. Without another harvest coming, a shortage is coming. And so see this, the preparation for the next harvest occurs in the winter and so you have to do the work in the winter you have to prepare in the winter you have to get ready in the off season and that's where the success of the next harvest begins back in the winter listen to the picture now the slugger does not plow after the autumn so he begs during the harvest and has nothing Now, not many of us are on that cycle. There's a few, but not many. But the lesson is this. Results, success, come after work. Results, success, comes after work. And God blesses work, and the system that he has put in place rewards work, and his people are to be diligent in work. Now, It's funny. It doesn't really matter the topic, but as we go through our verses, it could be applied to a lot of things, but I end up saying this almost every single week. When we try and circumvent the system, we cause problems, and chaos follows, and so God has a system. And God has a plan, and you can pick the plan, but when we try and circumvent the system, there's gonna be problems that follow. There's gonna be chaos that follows. Listen to me, here's the the truth. When people become entitled, and people become pampered, and they think they can have the same fruits as if they had worked when they had not worked, We are in trouble. God blesses work. He rewards work. And when we try and circumvent the system, we're going to have trouble. Does that sound familiar? We have a shortage on crackers at the store right now, I think, due to this problem. Did you ever think you couldn't get saltine crackers? We have a shortage in crackers because somebody, somewhere, I don't know where, didn't show up for work. I don't know. Now here, because I'm a Baptist preacher, I have to put that into three points. So I put that in the three points for us tonight. This is a Baptist night, I guess. Here's the three points of this verse. Go to work, get to work, and work hard. There's the three points. Go to work, get to work, and work hard while you're there. All right, verse five. A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. Now, that's an interesting verse. Listen to that. A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. Now, verse five here is a warning. It's not talking about a volume of plans. We think about, well, deep water, there must be a lot of it. And so there's a whole lot of plans that spring out of the heart of a man. It's not talking about a volume of plans in the heart of the man. It is saying, A plan in the heart of a man is like water deep in a well. Now stay with me. A a plan in the heart conceived in the heart of a man, see the picture, is like water in a deep well. And you're not sure of the motives of the plan. You're not sure of the motivations behind the plan. You're not sure of the intent of the plan. And so this person comes along and they have a plan. And you say, well, that sounds reasonable. That sounds like a good plan. You know what? You don't know their motivation. You don't know the implications of the intent of their plan. Here's what the verse says. But a person of understanding, a person that, that has wisdom, a person that is discerning, they like the person at the well that have the bucket. They draw it out. They draw out the motivation of the plan. They they draw out the true intent of the plan. They weigh the course of action accordingly. You know, we don't know the motivations of what folks are saying, their plans. But a wise person is considerate and they draw it out. They find the motivation of the plan. Here's the point. (laughs) This won't be a surprise. People are not what they always (laughs) seem. Do you know that some people are fake? Some people are fraudulent. Some people are evil. Some people are foolish. And so some people, a lot of folks aren't what they seem. And so what they propose may not be what it appears. And so a wise person, here's the point, we're to be thoughtful, we're to be careful, and we're to weigh everything against the word of God. That's the standard, the Word of God. How does this match up with the wisdom of God? I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your Word. We're thankful that you lead us. We're thankful that your Word stands that it's correct today, that it's relevant today, that it doesn't have to be adjusted today. We're thankful that you tell us how to live in a way that is pleasing to you and a blessing to us, the best way to live. Lord, we're thankful for that. We come and I pray as we've heard this, that we've taken it in, I pray that we would be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. I pray as we're going back into a week that we would look like you, that we would speak like you, Most of all, that we would tell the story of a Savior, Jesus. The good news, the hope of a lost and dying world. Lord, we're thankful for this Lord's Day. We're thankful for the opportunities of it. We praise you in it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.